Russia invades as the world watches in horror. Today, we hear from Indiana Senator Todd Young about the situation in Ukraine. Plus, our D.C. Bureau has the latest from the White House as the president prepares to deliver his State of the Union next week. All that plus the final stretch of the legislative session as lawmakers discuss the curriculum controversy and the debate over gun permits. And a former state health commissioner takes on Attorney General Todd Rokita. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. With the Russian invasion underway, the eyes of the world are on Ukraine this weekend. With just a couple of days now until the president's State of the Union address on Tuesday night. A lot happening in the news. The president also naming a new Supreme Court nominee and, of course, dealing with this situation overseas. Ordering more sanctions Thursday amidst this Russian invasion of Ukraine. We start today with Hannah Brandt, who has the latest from the nation's capital. Ukraine says it'll fight back, and world leaders are rushing to respond with sanctions. But any hope of avoiding a war is now shattered. Ukraine is under attack. Dozens of people are dead after strikes from Russian forces. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. The president says the U.S. and ally countries will put new restrictions on major Russian banks, impose controls on exports, and sanction elite families. And Putin's aggression against Ukraine will end up costing Russia dearly economically and strategically. We will make sure of that. So far, sanctions haven't stopped Putin. But Senator Mark Warner says the impacts will take time. It's going to take a toll, this economic damage that will happen with the Russian citizens, I think Putin will pay a high, high price. An additional 7,000 U.S. soldiers are being deployed to Germany to reinforce the NATO presence there. But those troops will not enter Ukraine. Ukraine's ambassador says their people will fight back. We're doing everything possible to defend our country. Some Republicans have criticized President Biden's approach, blaming him for not doing enough. Senator Chuck Schumer says that needs to stop. America should be united as we were united at 9-11, as we have been united in the past. And the president promises the U.S. will continue to punish Putin. America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. The president also says the U.S. will release oil from reserves as conditions warrant. It's part of what he says is an effort to keep sanctions from really hitting gas prices here at home. In Washington, I'm Hannah Brandt. Hannah, thank you. This week we heard from Senator Todd Young at an event here in the Indianapolis area. He shared his thoughts on the situation in Ukraine. Military involvement should be on the table, but let me be clear. It should be military involvement in countries that are on the border of, of Ukraine, our existing NATO allies, in order to deter any encroachment on their territory, and military involvement with other NATO countries on the border of Russia is appropriate. Former President Trump talked about Vladimir Putin recently calling him a savvy, genius, complimentary of him and his actions towards Ukraine. Is that problematic? Uh, I, I think all of us need to be clear that Vladimir Putin uh, is a threat to uh, the democratic rules-based order that has benefited countless Americans uh, for generations and, and uh, 
we need to be strong as it relates to that. Uh, a lot of Americans think about uh, Ukraine, Russia, halfway around the world. Yeah. Why should the average American be concerned about what's going on? Because if we allow a, a malign actor like Vladimir Putin to gobble up territory anytime he likes uh, in, in uh, another country, then other dictators or uh, oppressive regimes like communist China or uh, the, the mullahs in Iran will do the same sort of thing. Senator Young told me Thursday he thinks more sanctions are needed. Fellow Republican Senator Mike Braun said, quote, Putin and his cronies must now be punished with severe economic consequences for their unjustified invasion. The U.S. must unleash independent American energy production to lessen the pain of rising fuel prices. And he also said we must be watchful to avoid endangering U.S. troops by involving them further in this volatile situation. Friday, we heard from Democratic Congressman Andre Carson. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the people will suffer, but we have to send a message to Vladimir Putin. I think that uh, what he is doing is beyond uh, imperialistic. Uh, it is uh, narcissistic. If we don't stand up, it's Ukraine today and another country tomorrow. Also, this statement from Congresswoman Victoria Sparts, who was born in Ukraine, saying, quote, I'd like to express my utmost disappointment with the lack of leadership and strategy on multiple fronts on the part of the current administration that puts our great country and our allies in danger. Her comments to their targeting the Biden administration. We're going to have much more coming up with our panel on the situation in Ukraine. But we also have news this week from the State House, where lawmakers did pass a bill dealing with Russian sanctions here in Indiana. But with just a couple weeks remaining in this year's legislative session, several hot-button issues remain. Today's State House reporter Kristen Eskow has the latest on the big changes made to the controversial bill dealing with school curriculum. No. The Indiana Senate Education Committee voting mostly along party lines to move forward on the school curriculum bill. Some parents and other supporters have argued the bill ensures transparency and neutrality in schools. But many educators have raised concerns. Erica Buchanan Rivera oversees equity and inclusion at Washington Township Schools. Students deserve to understand the full scope of our history. The bill would place some restrictions on how teachers discuss race, gender, and ethnicity, and would ban teaching that any group is superior or inferior to another. Though the bill allows the teaching of historical injustices, some believe it would prevent teachers from discussing some current or past events if it becomes law. It would be difficult for teachers to have critical conversations about race within the classroom environment, or even conversations pertaining to discriminatory practices. School officials say many Hoosier parents already have ways to voice concerns about lessons. Any parent that would ever have any concerns, of course, can lift that to their school principal, to the district office. I asked Governor Eric Holcomb where he stands on the bill, which was scaled back last week. I think the bill's where it is now um, is a, a vast improvement on where it started. Um, with the emphasis, rightly so, on transparency and parental engagement. Governor Holcomb says he's waiting to see the final version of the bill before making a decision on whether he'd sign it. Education represents not just a big part of our budget, but a big part of our state's destiny. So we need to get it right. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal. And this week, we also heard from Governor Holcomb on a couple other key items in the State House, including the bill that would prohibit transgender girls from playing girls' sports. I agree adamantly that boys should be playing boys sports and girls should be playing girls sports and mixed sports should be just that. So how we craft the actual language 
and support organizations like the IHSAA, who's done a admirable job to date. We need to make sure that, that they can continue to do just that and organizations like them. That bill could be up for a final vote in the Senate this coming week before being sent on to Governor Holcomb for his approval. Also at the State House, a bill allowing Hoosiers to obtain handguns without a permit is on hold, at least for now. The bill passed a Senate committee after an hours-long hearing, but its status is still up in the air. Uh, Russ McQuaid was at that hearing this week. Behind me, you see the overflow crowd. Proponents say Hoosiers shouldn't have to register to exercise their Second Amendment right, while opponents say that sometimes a gun permit is the only thing that keeps a criminal from getting a firearm. Lying in the balance is the safety of our community. Supporters and opponents of House Bill 1077 sat side by side in the crowded hearing room where there was little common ground to be found. This bill seeks to level the playing field for the law-abiding Hoosier to defend themselves in public. Another concern is more weapons on the street, which means more offenses and more deaths. The Senate Judiciary Committee is considering a bill that not only repeals the Indiana handgun license law, it also creates two new laws to curb illegal gun ownership in the state. We were along for the ride recently when IMPD detectives sought a man wanted for his role in a parking garage shootout, and it was his lack of a handgun permit that officers say gave them the ability to pull him over and search his vehicle where they found the gun they were looking for. Supporters of the bill say criminals won't apply for a permit because they don't play by the rules, while opponents say if you need to register to vote, you should register to carry a handgun. House Bill 1077 gets us to a place where the law-abiding citizen is not required to go through a process of asking permission submitting to government investigation. So you're okay with having to register to vote, to exercise your right to vote, but you're not okay with exercising your right to bear arms in the Constitution. You shouldn't have to get a license to do that. Russ McQuaid reporting there. An amendment added to the bill allowed for a provisional licensing process. While they couldn't get that through by the committee deadline, Senate leaders say this proposal will likely be added to another bill that's still moving forward. We'll keep you posted. Now, during that hearing, some pretty interesting remarks from the state police superintendent directed squarely at the Republican supermajority. You cannot understand the effect and pressure that frontline police officers feel today in your very communities. Please don't pretend to think you can. I sure hope you choose to show deference to law enforcement professionals that understand the magnitude and the frontline effects of this legislation rather than the possibility of getting reelected or unelected at the next primary. We've worked hand in hand with the state police. I understand this is an emotional topic for, for uh, Superintendent Carter. Uh, just very disappointed in his comments. We're going to talk about that with our panel coming up. Also this week, Attorney General Todd Rokita once again facing criticism from medical experts after Rokita issued an advisory clarifying that Indiana doctors can legally prescribe controversial COVID treatments, even those that don't have FDA approval. Rokita said, according to state law, it is your health care provider's job to do what's best for patients. He said the statement was in response to complaints from Hoosiers about doctors prescribing ivermectin, which again is not FDA approved for COVID-19. You and your doctor knows what's best for you. It's based on the standard of care, and the, your physician is the one who's in charge of, of, of whether or not the standard of care is being met. 
Now, as we said, Rokita facing some criticism for this stance. This week I spoke with former State Health Commissioner Dr. Richard Feldman about Rokita's remarks. I think he's doing it to pander and for political gain. There is really no debate in the uh, mainstream medical and public health communities that there is no place for ivermectin uh, in the treatment of COVID-19. Rokita did say he's not offering medical advice, just saying it is legal for doctors to prescribe. Meantime, look at this, our state's COVID numbers continue to quickly drop significant improvements in recent weeks here in Indiana and across the country. Certainly great to see. All right, coming up next, the president making an historic choice as he names his Supreme Court nominee. We'll talk with our panel after the break. And later we'll hear from Ukrainians living here in Indiana as they process all of these terrible images that we're seeing this week in Eastern Europe. Stick around, we'll be right back. All right, let's bring in our panel now with us on Zoom today. Robin Winston, Tony Samuel, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy. Let's talk about these uh, just horrendous events this week in Ukraine. Robin, the president certainly facing a lot of questions already about whether we need to go further here than the sanctions that he's put in place so far. Well, I think the president's made incremental and right steps moving forward. He's built alliances with our allies. He's, he's prepared those fractures that were there before. He's moving ahead with putting troops in forward operating stations to protect our NATO allies, and he's building broad-based consensus among Democrats and Republicans here. There are things that he can ratchet up as we move forward, but these initial steps are promising as we move forward. Tony, some Republicans have been very critical of the president, but others like Senator Todd Young this week offering uh, somewhat muted criticism in comparison. Uh, he's kind of stuck to that notion, at least this week, that, that politics ends at the water's edge, Young really focusing most of his messaging and criticism directly at Vladimir Putin this week. Sh should that be the approach from both sides of the aisle right now? Um, it should definitely be the approach as far as criticizing Vladimir Putin. He's an evil uh, dictator. Uh, we've seen this kind of pattern for since he's been uh, their, their, uh, their leader. Um, we should have been more prepared. We could have done more. We really need to focus on energy. He's getting a lot of money selling oil to China and to Europe. We could have stopped that. We, we should have stopped the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. We should have uh, never stopped the Keystone pipeline here in the U.S. We should have never stopped the drilling in the Arctic. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we can do still. Um, I am uh, you know, critical, uh, as other Republicans are, of uh, Joe Biden. Um, and and you know, we've got to watch what his actions are. There's plenty of words. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a few few effort, a little bit of effort here, but we've really got to watch his effort or his uh, actions. When it, when it comes to criticism um, di directed towards Putin, Jennifer, President Trump, certainly former Secretary of State Monk, Mike Pompeo, making comments here in recent days that some felt were, were perhaps uh, taking Putin's side in a manner of speaking. How, how do those kinds of remarks impact this, this terrible situation overseas? Yeah, those comments were bizarre. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just that I'm getting older, but um, the Russians have always kind of been the bad guys. And that's kind of been an understood, uh, you know, tenet of, um, you know, they haven't been led by people who are pro-democracy. So to hear the former president and others come out and, and yeah, what, what seemed like pro-Putin, he's a smart, what a smart move kind of comments, it was bewildering to, to listen to that and then to watch the footage of those tanks and those bombs and those those fighter jets, you know, flying over over Ukraine. Um, I agree with Tony for what it's worth that, you know, obviously this is a clarion call for us to 
be less reliant on foreign oil, um, natural gas. Um, but wow, I think President Trump really swung a miss this week. Mike, your, your response to all of this, and right now, just how important are President Biden's words Tuesday night when he delivers his State of the Union address in the midst of this crisis? Well, obviously, I'm not an expert on Putin or on Ukraine, but um, we can comment on the domestic politics, which I think you're asking about. And I think his words are important, especially to counter what former President Trump said. I mean, Pr Trump said, you got to listen to that interview. He said that the invasion of the Ukraine was genius and he, something that he wishes he could have done in Mexico. He implied that he wanted to invade Mexico with, with quote, peacekeeping troops. I mean, uh, that is something you'd hear from, you know, uh, Neville Chamberlain or Quisling or somebody like that back in the World War II days. Um, I just wish that uh, there were James Baker, a Schlesinger, or Colin Powell still alive and active to, uh, to drive some reason into our, our, uh, our foreign affairs. Did, I'm hopeful that Biden does the right thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping. <laughs> here, here in Indiana, some have uh, invoked Dan Coats and Richard Luger's name as well as people they, they wished were still involved in, in this uh, conversation. Rob, in meantime, uh, this week in other news, President Biden also naming a, a Supreme Court nominee, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, an historic selection. But no doubt she, she'll face some GOP opposition in the Senate in these very divided times. Well, it'd be very interesting. She's had bipartisan support three times. Um, she was a student in, in school that was told she would never amount to very much, and she graduated from Harvard. She was a clerk to Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court. It'll be interesting to see how the Republican male senators move forward with this person who's eminently qualified. And, and Mike, we should note both uh, Senator Young and Senator Braun voted against her confirmation to the circuit court where she's serving now. Do, do you suspect they'll both vote against her confirmation? Will there, will there be any, uh, if many, many, if any, Republican votes in her favor? Well, I think they probably will. I mean, I haven't talked to either one of them, but I think they probably will vote against her because the days of bipartisan confirmation of Supreme Court justices or almost any kind of cabinet member in, in another realm, um, they're over. Um, I go back to what you just, you said people wish for Luger. Well, Luger had a record of voting for the uh, presidents of the other party's nominees right. because he thought that president had a right to have the team that he wanted in place. Right. It's not going to change anything on the Supreme Court. The, the conservatives are still going to thump the liberal, liberals every time on the Supreme we'll, Court, we'll so I'm see. not too worried. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Jennifer, let's also talk about the legislative session quickly here. Wrapping up here in the next couple of weeks, state senates watered down some of the controversial bills moving through the legislature, including the curriculum bill that you and, and many in the education world have been working to oppose. Governor says this version of the bill is better, but of course it still has to go back to the House or to a conference committee before it gets to the governor. Could be an interesting final stretch for a number of controversial bills. Yeah, we're looking at maybe, what, seven, ten, a few more days of the session. Um, it'll be really interesting to watch that bill, the curriculum bill, uh, the, the trans uh, youth and sports bill, um, the firearms bill. I mean, it's the proud Hoosier tradition, right, of starting with a really, really bad idea and then watering it down to a less bad idea. Um, it'd be really nice if we had some profiles and courage over there and some of these things just never made it across and, the finish line. And Tony, uh, speaking of that firearms bill, we also saw that exchange this past week between legislative leaders and the state police superintendent, who is a Republican. He was the Republican sheriff of Hamilton County, but he had some pointed words this week about that bill to eliminate handgun permits, saying this is the problem with the supermajority. He said it stifles, prohibits, 
limits public debate. He said lawmakers should focus on the impact the bill would have for police instead of focusing on uh, getting elected in the next primary. Speaker said he was disappointed in those remarks. Quickly here, what'd you make of all this? Yeah, they don't like it when uh, folks accuse them of looking uh, at, at the next election because they do work hard and I, and I agree with them on that. They have a lot of respect for Superintendent Carter. He's a great man. He's been a great uh, leader, but there were like nine hours of testimony. This has been debated uh, throughout the, the session yeah. and for years. And uh, there'll a be some hearing. kind of conclusion yeah. again in, in the Congress yeah. community we'll process. See what happens, Tony. Thanks. Coming up next, Ukrainians living here in Indiana share their message for the world. We'll be right back. This conflict in Ukraine may seem worlds away, but it hits so close to home for some Hoosiers and Indiana-based humanitarian organizations. The executive director for Mission to Ukraine says India is one of the 10 largest Ukrainian populations of any area in the United States. We spoke to several people, including two women from Ukraine who still have family living there. Since last night, I can't stop crying because there's nothing I can do at this point. You know, we are in the Midwest, but but we are the crossroads of America, and it's it's just such a beautiful place to be. And so if, if you know of anybody who's Ukrainian, who has family back home, just reach out to them. We have information on ways you can support Mission to Ukraine on our website. We'll be right back after this. As always, wrapping up with winners and losers and some final thoughts. Tony, you're up first. Winners, the, the people of Ukraine are... are uh, Prayers are with them. There uh, looks like they're giving a, a, a giving a good fight, and um, you know we'll hope for the best. Jennifer. Uh, yeah, my winner is uh, on the opposite side of that, at least country-wise. The uh, Russian anti-war protesters who came out and just you know showed their opposition to what their government is doing in Ukraine. Um, wow, what a what a proud yeah. moment to, to watch them stand up to an awful regime. Mike. I don't know how you could name a winner this week. I think everybody's a loser worldwide, uh, Dan. Uh, my only loser uh, that I want to name is President Trump, whose grip on reality is not hanging by a string anymore. It is completely snapped. Robin? State Police Commissioner Doug Carter, who stood up for the people that wear their uniforms, form a thin line between all that's wrong and all that's right. We need to not put handguns easily accessible to people. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week.